0: Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buker. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buker. This is On the Ball on the United WeCast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else. Primarily, but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Well, this is one of those episodes where I am pretty sure you are not going to get this perspective or angle anywhere else. I don't know if I've ever made a bigger sacrifice for my listeners Than watching the entirety of Hebrews to Negroes Wake Up Black America by Ron Dalton Jr. I not only watched the entire three and a half hour documentary, and it's everything I can do not to call it a so called documentary, I read through the reviews on Amazon, I did some cursory research on Ron's background and i looked up a few of the people who were quoted in it i also did a little research in terms of other material and documents that delve into the same area now i didn't just do this for you i am not a conspiracy theorist but i appreciate people who think out of the box genuinely even when doing so meets a lot of resistance maybe more so when it meets resistance. Because resistance isn't always an indication of something wrong. But it's also not an indication of being right and simply having landed on an inconvenient truth. Thinking out of the box, effectively, is as much about admitting when you're wrong and examining why you're wrong as it is sticking to your guns despite that resistance, despite the vehement disagreement. I have the sense that Kyrie Irving believes the outcries by people over things he has said or done is proof that he's actually onto something revolutionary, which which is why it's so hard for him to reverse direction or admit that he was wrong. Now, for those who may not know, Hebrews to Negroes is the movie released in 2018 that Kyrie advertised on his Twitter feed a couple of weeks ago and is why he's serving a five-game minimum suspension without pay by the Brooklyn Nets. Those familiar with the movie immediately cited it as being anti-Semitic and questioned why Kyrie would make his followers aware of such a movie. The story I've been told is that Kyrie was researching his name, Googled Yahweh or some version of that, and Dalton's series of books and this movie, which is based on his books, came up. Now, although Kyrie has insisted he wasn't promoting the movie, and that's what he got hung up on when he was asked about it, the semantics over whether posting something without comment on your social media feed is actually promoting that work, I like to say it's advertising it. may not be promoting it, but it's letting people know that it exists when they otherwise wouldn't. Nonetheless, do not want to go down that rabbit hole again. So Kyrie gave no explanation as to why he posted the cover of the movie on his Twitter feed. And it doesn't really matter why, because... That's not how Nets owner Joe Tsai saw it. He condemned Kyrie for posting it on his Twitter feed. The Players Union, for which Kyrie is a vice president, put out a statement condemning hate speech and anti-Semitism. Now, without specifically naming Kyrie, it was such a lawyerly, weak way to address the subject, but it still spoke volumes in that it was straight-up critical And everyone knew, even without them using Kyrie's name, why the players' union was issuing the statement. NBA commissioner Adam Silver hammered Kyrie as well, adding that he was disappointed that Kyrie had yet to issue an unqualified apology. Now, he has since. Kyrie has since. But that's where he made his biggest mistake. Because he didn't right away. If he had come out right away and said, look, I was researching my name, I saw a movie title that I found interesting, but I didn't watch it closely enough to realize there were anti-Semitic statements in it presented as facts, and I apologize for appearing to endorse the movie and its message. If he had done that, I think he would have had a chance of dodging the worst of all this. But he didn't. I mean, look, our, our capacity to... To forgive is immense. It's amazing. If someone comes correct and acknowledges, "Look, I messed up." But he didn't. He was defiant. By saying, "I can't be anti-Semitic because I know where I come from," which is what Kyrie said when confronted, is essentially saying he believes in what the movie is saying. Everything, the movie is saying and the main thrust of the movie is that the current Jews in Israel are not descendants of the original Jews because they are white and the original Jews had to be black based on DNA the Bible language and migration patterns it also claims today's Jews promote five falsehoods, one of which is that six million Jews died in World War II, otherwise known as the Holocaust. The movie says that that is a lie. The five falsehoods presented are not only anti-Semitic, they're contradictory. One of the supposed falsehoods is that the Jewish people believe they are the chosen ones in the eyes of God. But another falsehood that today's Jewish people supposedly promote is that they are just another religious group and that all races are equal. The short of it is, the film is one of the most incoherent and confusing works I've ever consumed. It uses the Bible as a historical text and cross-references everything from DNA markers to newsreels to stock footage of various factions of people unidentified from around the world. At one point, it shows a slow-motion clip of two young black men playing hoops on an outdoor court and asks, African-American or Hebrew Israelites? There are a stunning number of reviews that claim it as being well-researched. Only someone who did not look into the accuracy of that research would ever say that. Perhaps someone overwhelmed by the amount of random data the movie throws at you. A good part of it is a narrator, and there's more than one, reading off various statements as either stock footage of unidentified people, biblical passages, or maps or foreign words scrolling down the screen. If you get to the last 30 minutes of the movie, you will find that whole chunks of the film are repeated without any explanation and the rental copy that I got just ends abruptly. No credits. No wrap-up. Just ends halfway through another segment. It's a mess. Just based on how it was executed I would have to question whether I would tell anybody to watch it. There's no way you can watch the whole thing and say, this was well done, or this was a cogent argument. Obviously, a lot of work went into it, but it's not, it's hard for me to say this, but it's not good work. Two and a half hours into the movie, these words appear on the screen. Let us begin. One of the chunks of repeated uh, material... And I mean repeated verbatim. It's like they took a clip from the beginning of the movie and then they just added it at the end. One of those claims that the reason black people in the world, and it just says black people in general, not African Americans, not, not any specific, all black people, have suffered as much as they have is because they've been praying to the wrong God. Another and this is a direct quote, it is a fact that black people are naturally spiritual. It is such an extraordinary claim that I had to look into it. And and indeed, there has been a study on the importance of spirituality for African Americans versus Caribbean blacks versus non-Hispanic whites. And I just gave you an example of how saying that all black people in the world have suffered because they've all been praying to the wrong God. How simplistic that is now the study into spirituality of different races this study is not mentioned in the movie and I won't bore you with the details but essentially it found out of a survey 4,000 people I believe that eight out of ten African Americans and Caribbean blacks said they considered spirituality very important while 65% of non-Hispanic whites considered it very important. But here's the key aspect of the study. Roughly 4.5% of black people in the study said spirituality was not very important or not important at all. So the statement that black people are naturally or inherently spiritual is not a fact. There's a certain degree of truth in it. In this case that black people percentage-wise are more spiritual than white people on average but that's not what the movie claims never mind that the degree of spirituality is really a contributing factor to the point that the movie is trying to make another claim that blacks in america are still black and they shouldn't be after 400 years of the races mixing in america This too is presented as a fact, presumably to dismiss the idea that race mixing over the centuries could have led to Jews being lighter complected today than they might have been in biblical times. It's an amazing statement on multiple levels. Completely ignores that mixing races, particularly between blacks and whites, was looked down upon if not illegal in some places and even to this day and yet there's still been a mixing of the races or as if there are no light-skinned black americans or black americans of different hues the movie actually shows black and white clips from the 50s that show a variety of black people with different features color build and speech But that's the mosaic of the entire film. Take certain elements, expand them into certainties, and patch enough of them together to suggest that they prove something undeniable. It's not QAnon, but it's QAnon adjacent. At one point celebratory music is played after showing a man buying groceries and dancing in the grocery aisle. Now while the music plays, A list of Egyptian and Hebrew words scroll down the screen for several minutes. Again, unexplained. But it is meant to infer that a great discovery has been made and it's time to rejoice over it. That people are waking up to the fact that African Americans are the true descendants of Abraham. That, who knows? If that's true, it's true. Is it proved in the movie? not in any way that i could detect now the list of falsehoods that jews promote appears about 10 minutes or so into the movie after about nine and a half minutes of promotions for the movie it's like watching trailers for a movie and then watching the actual movie i don't know that i've ever experienced that in any case they could have pared this down, or Ron could have pared this down, to at least, I'd say, two and a half hours. Taking a whole hour out, simply by eliminating the promotions for the movie, within the movie, and then all the repeated sections. I still don't know why those those sections were repeated. In any case, um, that list of falsehoods would be enough to rightly say that the movie is anti-semitic but it goes further it suggests that today's Jews were responsible for establishing the slave trade bringing West Africans on Jewish Jewish slave ships that's how they are referred to in the movie to the new ports off the east coast of America now there's no question there were Jewish people who had slaves here and overseas and that there were jewish people who were involved in slaves being brought to america no doubt were they the masterminds of the whole thing there is zero proof of that that's the sound of another sale on shopify in store shopify pos is everything you need to sell in person From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. There were a lot of different faiths that took part in making a buck off of slavery. And that's really what it was. It was making money. Now, for those who may not know, this isn't the first time this claim of the Jews setting up the entire slave trade to America has been made. Nation of Islam ministers accused Jews of being the overlords of the slave trade between Africa and North America the work the movie does or attempts to do is to present the idea that not only did jews enslave black people but that they then stole their identity as being abraham's true descendants now my understanding from my research is that ron's parents were very active in the civil rights movement i'm guessing that he heard that jews were the masterminds of the slave trade early on in his life He's simply, with this movie, taking it a step further. And for anyone interested in the counterpoint to the movie, there is a book called Jews, Slaves, and the Slave Trade, setting the record straight, that supposedly disproves that Jews owned any more slaves or traded any more slaves than any other class of people at the time. For Kyrie to believe he can't be anti-Semitic because he knows where he comes from is to say he believes that today's Jews are imposters and that they ran the slave trade that brought slaves to America. It is saying I can't be anti-Semitic because I am Jewish and the people that claim I have offended them are fake news. That's another rabbit hole I will not venture down because someone claiming something and what they are, and why they can't be another thing, is really just beside the point. I want to stay focused on what Kyrie did and the repercussions of that. The movie also quotes Henry Ford, the U.S. automaker, from a collection of writing that was titled The International Jew. Now again, for those who may not know, Ford was anti-Semitic and purchased a newspaper in the Midwest at one point. And when sales fell off, he arranged to have a series of news stories that portrayed Jews in a very negative light as people who were causing problems. And the most sensational of those stories, and these stories were reported as as news, the most sensational of them were put together into what is known as the International Jew series. The movie also quotes a book called The Making of a Slave, which was allegedly written off of a speech given by a slave owner named Willie Lynch. It's only about uh, 50 pages long. And Lynch, supposedly in this speech, proposed that lynching wasn't effective. It was a speech to other slave owners. Uh, That lynching wasn't effective in controlling slaves and that a better way would be to pit them against each other. Now the premise of that, if you saw Quentin Tarantino's movie Django Unchained that's that premise is used as a scene in the movie one of the most difficult parts that movie was difficult in general to watch but that scene in particular here's the problem Not with the movie, but with the making of a slave. Historians have determined that the book was a hoax because it uses terms that didn't exist at the time that the book was allegedly written. And that's the tell that exposes Dalton's movie as dishonest. He presents ample research of word usage in the Bible and other writings from centuries ago to make his point, but he ignores language and evidence that doesn't support his theory, or at least he doesn't acknowledge that there is debate about that language. If it works for his argument, he's using it and he's not acknowledging any questions about that knowledge now i want to be clear here i don't consider myself a historian i'm not a historian i'm well aware too of the whitewashing of history that figures from big biblical times have been depicted as being far more fair-skinned than they actually were i have no doubt that jesus was at the very least olive-complected based on where he lived. Now that is an aspect of Dalton's work that I agree with, along with the idea that that whitewashing helped disenfranchise people of color from their true history, that it was intentionally used to diminish them, and that presenting white people, Egyptians as white people, et cetera, et cetera, in the movie business was an attempt to connect with a certain audience a white audience an audience that the movie makers wanted to appeal to the question always will be was it intentional or was it simply business as i watch commercials today i see more mixed couples and even gay couples being presented in advertisements Why is that? I have to believe it's because companies with certain products do the research to find out who their audience is, who's most likely to buy, who can they appeal to or how can they appeal to the largest audience possible and that they've determined that people are not put off by mixed relationships or gay relationships being presented on TV. That wasn't always the case, back 30, 40 years ago. Now I can't believe I have to explain the distinction between Kyrie and Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, which sells and rents Dalton's books and movie. Or the difference between Kyrie and Shaquille O'Neal, who criticized Kyrie in no uncertain terms, and yet apparently owns some movie theaters that once upon a time showed the movie. I can't believe I have to explain why Kyrie is being taken to task and Bezos and Shaq are not. But I will. First of all, Jeff Bezos no more vets every book and movie sold by Amazon than the owner of a movie theater vets every film. Did Bezos advertise the movie? Did he go out of his way to bring it to everyone's attention? Did he endorse it? Has Jeff Bezos presented himself as someone who believes what the movie claims? Should we hold accountable Bezos for everything every book and movie on Amazon proposes? You have any idea how many books and movies are sold by Amazon and all of the crazy theories and suggestions that some of those hold? Same goes for Shaq, lesser extent. But do you think every... Movie theater owner vets every film that is shown in their theaters. Now, if someone wants to boycott Amazon for profiting off of this particular movie or its books, have at it. If someone wants to have the movie and books banned, have at it, I say. We're seeing that happen elsewhere with increased regularity these days with books that are far less offensive, in my mind, than this one. And there's a way to do it. But it's not Bezos or Shaq's responsibility to make that decision. Now, I'm not the first to say this, but it bears repeating because the power of the First Amendment is routinely misrepresented. The First Amendment, Kyrie's First Amendment rights, are not being violated. The First Amendment protects U.S. citizens from being punished by the U.S. government for things that they say. End of story. You can say or write whatever you want and not be thrown in jail for it. But it doesn't mean an employer can't punish an employee for something they say or write. And I'm sure some of you are out there, what about Charlottesville? What about BLM? What about like those became violent it's why you see police standing by with these marches so that nothing breaks out beyond the demonstration it's why they don't outright go and just lock everybody up who happens to wear a nazi uniform or does the sig heil hitler salute or says let's kill the jews this is not that an employer an employer has every right to take action against an employee or anyone else who they can prove is damaging their business the first amendment doesn't mean an employer can't punish an employee for something they say or write bezos and shacks roles as far as the movie is concerned are far different their connection with the movie is far different than Kyrie's by Kyrie posting the movie I will contend advertising the movie he created but let's just we'll stay with posting Kyrie posts the movie by that alone without comment he created a problem for his employers the Brooklyn Nets the NBA and Nike he offended a large group of people that spend their money on those entities. New York has the largest Jewish community outside of Israel. At least a quarter of the people who live in Brooklyn are Jewish. There may not have been a worse place in the world for Kyrie to play and say or do anything that could be viewed as anti-Semitic. And so it's, it's safe to say there are an enormous number of Jewish Nets and NBA fans. and An inordinate number of Jewish Nets and NBA fans. Now, Kyrie is free to believe whatever he wants to believe. But when he makes those beliefs public and they undermine the companies he works for, this isn't about whether you agree or disagree. If what he said impacts the companies he works for negatively those companies have the right if not the duty to all their other employees everybody else who is dependent on that company being a success to take action to at the very least get the employee to repair the damage that they have done to the business that's reasonable also find it troubling that anyone would not understand what a threat vilifying Jews as a people presents based on history it is this exact same kind of propaganda that Hitler used to convince Germans that Jews needed to be exterminated now I'm keenly aware of what happened in the Holocaust I'm a first-generation American My first language was German. My parents took me back there when I was just learning to speak. I've been to the concentration camp, Auschwitz. I've seen the gas chambers. I've talked to my mom, who was a young girl in Germany during World War II, about how the people of Germany could allow such an atrocity to happen in their midst. And they didn't actually see what was going on. But there was enough propaganda that they weren't determined to find out. They were sold the same kind of lies by German leaders that we see leaders selling today. QAnon-type conspiracies. And the same kind of propaganda was used during slavery to justify treating black people as subhuman i completely understand why it would terrify jewish people why they would react the way they have to anything that once again casts them as the masterminds of evil evil just planting the seed of that because what's the next step eliminate the masterminds and the world would be a better place now i don't want to believe that that was Kyrie's intention I want to believe he just didn't know that that's what he was doing by sharing a link to a movie that does that. That he was only interested in the idea that suggests his history as a black person has been mischaracterized. He clearly believes in all sorts of conspiracy theories, hence his support of Alex Jones and his claim that a secret ring of overlords control the world. But that's not, and if I'm not mistaken, there was a Jewish angle to that that Alex put out there too which again doesn't put Kyrie in a good place especially now that he's doubled down with the movie but that's not the only thing the movie does with the secret ring of overlords it blames a certain race of people for that today's Jews without providing any real evidence And that's why providing a link to the movie without any context is not a defense. And then, initially refusing to admit the movie promotes Jews as liars and thieves and imposters is where Kyrie went wrong. And why the Nets, the NBA, and Nike had no choice but to disassociate themselves with him. All right, that does it for this very heavy, I would say troubling, in some respects, episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I promise you that in the next podcast, although there's going to be some news coming up this week with Kyrie, I am going to refrain. I'm going to try to make this the last, indeed the last word on the Kyrie situation and get back to talking about basketball and there is a lot of interesting stuff going on there including the Clippers and I don't know that I can put that off any longer after the loss to the Jazz. The loss to the Jazz captured everything that has me concerned about who and what they are and whether they can make good on the amazing talent and coaching that they have. So perhaps that will finally be the next episode. If not, there's some other stuff going on that's equally tantalizing. But I'm going to commit to talking about the Clippers next. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.